You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Welcome. Thank you for joining me for episode number 262 of the Blended Family Podcast. So glad that you're joining me today. And if you're new, welcome to the show. I hope that you'll find this to be a great resource for your growing blended family. Today I've got a great guest for you guys, Miss Kim Bowen, and we are going to be talking about marriage rescue. So lots and lots of people are finding their relationship in a bit of a struggle right now, and it makes sense after some of you have quarantined for a year and all the stresses that 2020 has brought and that 2021 still continues to dump on us. It's no wonder that the stress from life kind of permeates into our relationship. And so I know I did an episode a little bit back. Um, I think I want to say it was around Valentine's Day. I should have checked that. But it was on how to grow together in your relationship. Well, today, this show is going to be if you're finding that you're in trouble and your marriage, your relationship feels in trouble right now. This show is going to help you determine what you should do and how to move through that space. And also what's really cool is how to even try to make it work even if both of you aren't in agreement, even if one person wants out. So I think that you'll find this show to be very, very helpful. Um, I am still so tired. I know I mentioned that I was tired last week. I don't know what is going on. My husband and I have been dead dog tired for two weeks. So this is, again, not going to be a super long intro, I did get my MRI results finally, and I found out that I have a labral tear in my hip. And slightly frustrating because it's taken three years to diagnose. And uh, but I was glad I was glad to get an answer. Uh, Another diagnosis this time, this one's legitimate because I've been all over the place with this thing. Um, But now I found out that my insurance company doesn't have anybody on it that fixes labral tears. So if any of you have experience with a labral tear and whether you got surgery or didn't or maybe you found something to work for you, let me know because this thing has been just giving me grief for years and it's really affected my life. But I do feel like I'm one step closer, so that's a good thing. Um, I am working on another. I'm going to start to roll out those Q&A shows again. I know that I haven't done them in a while, but I'm going to be doing another I guess kind of a twist on that Q&A because I know you probably have noticed I don't really talk about myself a lot on the show. I might sprinkle in a story here or there, but it's just not something I'm really good at sharing. But I am an open book. I don't mind sharing. I'm just not good at putting myself out there. So I'm going to do a Q&A about me because I've had some people ask things about me. And like I said, I'm very open about it. So if you have questions for me, and this could be anything down to you know what is my most embarrassing parenting moment to what kind of food do I like I don't care Um, ask me anything because I want you guys to know I really am here for you and I want you to get to know me Uh, me not putting myself out there isn't a secretive thing it's just like a I don't know how kind of a thing so I thought maybe if you guys want to send me your questions I'll answer them on a show for you and that might be an easier way 
for me to do it. And then I feel like I'm I'm telling you guys stuff that you want to know, not just me talking about myself for things that maybe you're not interested in. Uh, I got to get over that, but that's just the thing. So yeah, if you have questions for me, or honestly, any questions ever for the show, you can always send them to me, Melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Ask me anything. You can also send feedback to that as well. Now, last week I didn't have a show. It was Easter and, of course, this tiredness I've been feeling. So I didn't even have the strength to do a show last week. But the week before, we had Biddy Bedtime Stories on. That was a really super fun show. You can go back and take a listen to that. And then next week, I've got Elise Buey, and we're going to be talking about how to co-parent like CEOs. And I think that this is going to be another great show that you don't want to miss, especially for those that are finding difficulty co-parenting with your ex. So this is going to show you how to do it in a much better way, um, like CEOs, like business partners, which is, I always talk about that. I say you should run your your relationship like a business partnership. Um, it seems to go a lot easier that way. And anyway, you'll hear a lot more about that next week in the show. And as always, if you like what you hear, please give us a rating and a review. Please subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And please always share with another blended family in need. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy this interview, and I'll be back next week with another show. Living the Good Life Naturally is a self-care company focusing on magnesium. Statistics show that up to 50% of the U.S. population is magnesium deficient, which can cause a multitude of health issues including headaches, muscle cramps, seizures, hair loss, and more. Kristen Bowen, founder, created the company out of her own personal health struggles, so she really cares, and she has a mission to help others achieve optimal health. I myself am a huge believer in these products, and I use them on a daily basis. It's been especially helpful for my anxiety and my pain. Try the magnesium soak, the magnesium spray, or the delectable bath bombs for an extra treat. And check out the website to see the entire product line and learn more at livingthegoodlifenaturally.com. Or you can go back and listen to episode number 237 when Kristen was on this show. Don't forget to use my promo code BLENDED to receive a special discount. Order today and get your health back. Kim Bowen is a licensed professional counselor who offers relationship therapy through her company, The Marriage Place. Her blogs and newsletters have been featured in various publications, and she's the author of the book, The Love, Joy, and Peace Workbook, A Couple's Bible Study. She also just relaunched her book, Marriage Rescue, Triage Toolkit. Her mission is to help couples build stronger, healthier, and happier relationships. She's been married to her husband, John, for 30 years. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. You know, I'm so thankful that you're here today, Kim, to help us because blended families are challenging, and most, if not all, of my listeners have blended families, and many have had previous divorces or relationships that ended. Couples are finding that in the new blended family, marriage can bring more struggles 
than in the traditional. And so I know this show is going to bring so much value to my listeners today, especially those who are struggling in their marriages right now, which if we can be honest, after this past year, I think it would be hard to not have any struggles, right? People That's have been exactly right. quarantined. Yeah. So um, before we get into all the juicy stuff, I just want to talk a little bit about you because I know that you have a very personal story that shaped why you do the work you do today. And I really want you to tell that story. Sure. Uh, I, like you said, I've been married 30 years and almost 31 in two months. And we, when I married my husband, I married my best friend. We had the kind of marriage that, you know, all your friends want to have. Um, we just, we just had so much easy commonality. I mean, I'm not a big believer in compatibility and all that kind of stuff, but I think difference can be really exciting and sexy, but I mean, we just, it clicked and we knew pretty quickly and we got married and it got hard <laughs> right away. I used to say the first year of my marriage was the hardest year of my life. And it just, it was when reality and fantasy kind of collide, but we uh, got through all of that. And again, just had a, had a really strong marriage and I realized that um, it's not an event that happened for me. I was the one that wanted out at one point. It wasn't like a a bombshell. It was more like the death of a thousand cuts to our marriage. Mm. We started having problems that I thought we were talking about and coming to some kind of resolution on. And he thought I needed to talk about to calm down and then everything was going to be okay, but nothing really changed. And I would build up a lot of resentment about that. And so if you told me the day I married him that I would one day want to divorce him, I would never believe that. Um, we both come from families that have strong religious um, background. Divorce is not an option. His dad said when I married him, murder maybe, but divorce never. I mean, it just, this is not an option. But I did. I, and the day I told him I wanted a divorce, um, if, if you'd told me that day that I would love him again, even more than I did the day I married him, I wouldn't have believed that either because I was so out. But I want, I think what I want everybody to learn from this was what I learned is that feelings are so, emotions are fluid. And so many times we base big decisions, permanent decisions on how we're feeling. Even after, you know, a, a season of hard doesn't last forever. And at some point you have to decide if you're committed to the institution, you know, not just how you're feeling in the moment. Marriage is more than how it makes you feel. And so we, we stuck through some really tough times and the feelings come back. So this whole idea of falling in and out of love, just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I kind of cringe when I hear that, you know, I, my big saying to John was, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. And what that really meant was, I have affection for you. We have all this history together. You're a great person. But I just don't feel love for you anymore. I just don't feel that passion. I don't feel that desire to be your person anymore. And when I hear that from a client, I know that there's still so much there that can be revived. Mm, and that's what you do. 
And that's what we do. We, I tell my clients to raise your love bar. <laughs> Expect more out of your relationship and put more into it. You know, there's so many levels. And, you know, love is, think about it. You love pizza and you love your husband. <laughs> right? And so there's so much to love than the emotional or uh, passionate erotic feelings. And yeah. I'm actually writing a book right now about that, the different, the different pillars of love. So, so the marriage place was born. And so tell me how that came to be and how, you know, timeline wise, was that way after you made your marriage work again, or just take us through that a little bit? Well, I was actually in school, um, training when I wanted a divorce. So I was like, well, I guess I won't be specializing in marriage. Hmm. And then we, um, I actually, we went to see different marriage counselors. We saw quite a few actually, and they were awful. I mean, it was just an awful experience. And so I was so disheartened. And that, what that does when you see a counselor who's not really prepared, it increases your feelings of hopelessness. Mm. It kind of cements this idea that, you know, this isn't, this really isn't working. And I just wanted to do it differently. I wanted to do it better. And not only that, I wanted to train people to do it better. So I have a lot of people on my staff. I have coaches and counselors. Just kind of an interesting thought. Most counselors take one class on marriages, just one. Well, that's and they it. are, it is, isn't it? They're trained to be individual therapists and they put two people on the couch and call themselves uh, relationship counselors. And so we're only required to have, I think, 23 uh, continuing education hours every two years in this field to keep your license. My team, we train for an hour and a half every week. So pretty well trained. And we do specialize in this. So, Well, I really love this because you're so right. You could go to counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists, and if you don't find the right fit... It's just more mm-hmm. of a feeling of despair. And you don't want to have to run through so many people where, you know, each time you go to a new counselor, you have to, you know, go through it's everything all over again. Yeah, it's just terrible. And so I love that you guys stand for so much positivity. And and also I love that you have a team, right? Because you can find somebody that's a perfect fit for somebody. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a little bit here. Um, but mm-hmm. I want to just kind of talk about divorce a little bit and statistics. And I know that you say that in over 70% of cases, it's the women that are filing for the divorce over the men. And I want to know why is this so? So it's interesting. I was in a room full of divorce attorneys the other day, and they're telling me that that statistic is changing. So I'm going to have to get some updated uh, views on that. (laughs) But um, when a woman files, here's, let me break it down this way. So when we polled men and women on what constitutes a happy relationship for them, you know, what, what makes you happy? What makes your marriage happy? Women said connection, which I don't think is a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Men said, I thought sex would be number one, but it isn't. It's lack of conflict. That's what makes men happy in a relationship. So what tends to happen is when a woman gets unhappy, what does she do? Well, she usually lets him know. (laughs) She complains or she gets critical or she starts to try to even just 
talk about it. And oftentimes men are kind of conflict avoidant around that. And so they try not to talk about it. And then the cycle just continues. The more he doesn't talk about it, the more unhappy she gets, the more she wants to talk about it. And the less connected she feels. And the less connected she feels. And so what tends to happen is she gives up, which is a really dangerous time. Mm. And she says, you know what? I'm not going to get it here. And she may get it with her kids, this need for connection, or she may get it with friends, or she may get it outside of the marriage. But in her mind, I'm done. And I may not be able to file until the kids go to school or I get a job or, you know, whatever. But in her mind, she's cut off. As soon as that happens, he starts to see that she's not complaining anymore. So in his mind, things are better. Goodness. It's actually better. This is great. And they kind of coexist like that, kind of strangers under the same roof, right? Until one day she says she wants a divorce. And then he's like, what? What happened? I didn't see this coming. We hear that all the time. Wow. This is that the way that you put it really makes a lot of sense. And I've seen it myself in my line of work. And I want to say, too, with a blended family piece, you know, there's a lot more conflict in a blended family. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more of, and I'm not saying it's just the women, but there is a lot more of the women saying, hey, I don't like the way this is going with your ex-wife or with the children mm-hmm. or with this or with that. And so there, there's definitely, I believe, a lot more conflict is brought up in a blended family because there are so many moving parts and there are so many dynamics and everyone's trying to figure one another out. And sometimes that's just a natural thing that happens during that time. But I can see how that just contributes to some of the problem there. Yeah. And just like, you know, all marriages are blended families to some degree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, in-laws and outlaws and all of that that goes on, but it's learning how to let your partner know what you're thinking and feeling that doesn't put them on the defensive. Yeah. I was just going to say it's, it's about the right form of communication um, and not attacking. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I love about you is that you have a very pro-marriage approach. And I agree yes. with that especially for my families who are already on maybe their second or third marriages and they're blended because now they have Mm -hmm. more children that are involved. There's more relationships that have developed. So I'd love to hear it in your words though, Kim, why you believe in trying to save a marriage first before just throwing in the towel. Well, so many therapists, even marriage counselors are what we call marriage neutral. Um, they, they come in, they hear the story. They're not really invested in the outcome. They, I've heard some horror stories. I've had clients come in and tell me that their last therapist said, why don't y'all just get a divorce? Oh. Or um, I had one tell the wife individually that she needed to go have a lesbian affair so that she could make sure that she was playing on the right team. Oh my goodness. Um, I, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Yeah. And um Marriage neutral, you know, not necessarily damaging, but what we do is we're very pro-marriage in that we respect the institution. We believe that there's a lot of collateral damage that's done. We think it's a big deal. It's a big deal to rip apart a home and Mm -hmm. kids and uh, what it does to you. It's a trauma. It's actually a trauma. And for your children, it's it raises their ACE scores. I don't know if you know about ACE scores, adverse childhood events. It's um, the way you rank the trauma that kids go through. Okay. 
that increases their tendency for physical or emotional um, illnesses, addictions, that kind of thing. I mean, divorce is a bigger deal than what we're playing it off as. And so we fight for marriage. And we don't believe every marriage needs to be saved, but we believe that most marriages can be and should be. Now, if there's what we call the three A's, which is addiction, affairs, um, or abuse, that's not, this is, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are bored or people who are feeling unfulfilled or people who are fighting all the time and can't figure out how to stop. Um, bad habits, mostly. Those are the kind of marriages that we, we take on and, and work really hard and, and get invested in the outcome. We want to save them. Yeah. And I love that because I feel the same way with my families that I work with. I just, I want them to have a successful marriage and relationship if they yes. can. And I know, I know there are some issues that come up in blended families that seem insurmountable to couples while they're in it, such as dealing with toxic exes who are really causing problems or even very difficult stepchildren to even just immense stress from trying to blend a large family. But generally speaking, I would say that most of the stress of the blended family comes from, in some shape or form, the children. Raising children is the hardest mm -hmm. job in the world, but also raising others' children and then trying to sustain a relationship when, in many cases, these parents never had a normal courtship. Most don't even get alone time or vacation I time. Know. So I always talk to my parents about how, how, you know, because as stressful as this is, it's temporary and it does go by fast. And I love that you mentioned the three A's because I, I agree with that as well. I know that not you, we can't get over every situation, but I'd love for you to speak to my audience about this a little bit, about the importance of learning to separate the kids, the problems, the stressors, from the relationship and learning how to not allow it to completely destroy the marriage. So when I first heard you say, how do you separate? The first thing that I thought of was you don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's all part, part and parcel together and you have to learn how to stay connected through those things. But then as I think more about it, I think my husband and I escape. I mean, we escape, we try our best to find, an outlet or a way um, to pull ourselves out of it together. And so what we did this year, which I cannot believe we, I still can't believe we've done it. We bought an RV <laughs> of all things. We bought an RV. And so we, we go out for weekends or we go out and explore and have adventures. And I think, I think just try to stop, try to try never to stop having an adventure. I think that's a big, that's a big, healthy kick in the pants for a lot of relationships, even when things are hard and they're going to be hard. They're absolutely going to be hard. So kind of have this me against, you know, we against them kind of mentality, not in the way that you, you know, we're not talking about communication or dealing with the kids, especially stepchildren. It's, you don't triangulate, but you know, my husband and I, we have our children, our biological children are ours, and we still escape. It's us against them. So that's kind of how we deal with it. Yeah, I love that answer. I love the RV thing. My husband and I have discussed doing that ourselves. We actually talked about in a couple of years when the kids are all old enough, we wanted mm -hmm. to actually just put our stuff in storage and take a couple of years and just drive around the country and decide 
where we wanted to eventually move to. And we've, we've toyed with it. We haven't made a commitment yet because we still need a little bit of time here, but, um, so are you enjoying that? Is that really fun for We the are group? loving yeah. it. Yeah. We are loving it. Although this last time we were we were in Texas and we were in South Texas on a beach when the big Arctic no. blast came through. Oh no. And we I thought it one night, I thought we could actually freeze to death. Like <laughs> I, th- I think we could actually die tonight. But we we love it. Wow. I can't believe you got you got stuck there in that. Did you how long were you there in Texas for during the snow? Well, we were only supposed to be there for uh, like five or six days, and we ended up having to stay an extra three or four. Um, we were on an island, and they shut the island down. They wouldn't let anybody off, and we Goodness. had no water and no electricity. And no, I mean, it was crazy. Well, it was an adventure, just like you said. That's right. It's an adventure. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, so I think in most cases of divorce, Kim, kind of like yours, one person maybe wants out more than the other rather yes. than it always being mutual. And you have a really interesting theory called the power of one. And I honestly have never heard this before put this way, but I find it fascinating. So can you please explain what this is and also talk about the program that you have that can help someone who finds themselves in that position? Okay. So what tends to happen, and this is what happened in my marriage when I wanted out. I was so angry and disillusioned and I was so focused on blame. I had shifted all my attention and all my negativity and all all my frustrations on my husband. I could sit down and tell you a laundry list of his flaws. Like, I mean, I could just pop them out one after another. And in my mind, whether I realized it or not, I'd kind of taken this one up position of, you know, if he would just make some changes, we'd be just fine. Mm. Right. Well, when you put all your focus on changing the other person, it is a wasted, a waste of time and effort. And that's why I think a lot of couples counseling goes wrong because you're in there fighting it out. Who's right. Who's wrong. And, um, it's never going to get you anywhere. And so what we try to do at the marriage place is we talk about the power of one, which is, you know, what's your side of the street in this and where is your limit of control? And it always ends with you always. So no matter what your spouse is doing, I mean, I don't care what they're doing. Your only sense of control, your only ability to change anything is how you react and respond to what's happening. And so a lot of clients don't necessarily buy into that for a while. So we try these little exercises to kind of show them and it's, and they get amazed at how true that it can be. I once worked with a woman, her husband was high up in government clearance and he did not want to come to therapy. Like it just wasn't happening. He did not want that on his record. And so she came alone and she said, I, you know, I just, I need to find a bubble of happiness for myself because I'm really unhappy. And I thought, why don't we just try to change the whole marriage? And she's like, it can, that can happen. I was like, I don't know, but it's worth a shot. And so we worked on her and how she showed up and how she responded and, and how she approached him or didn't approach him. And she told me it was the best marriage counseling she'd ever had. And their marriage was great. It was working. It was really working well. And so we do that when both couples are in it too. And it's, it's focusing on you. That's the only thing you can change. 
I love this. This is so powerful. And I love it because it's so important to nurture ourselves first, to learn how to be happy on our own and to really grow ourselves, which in turn makes us a better, more fulfilled person that can be a better partner. And I feel like through your program, even if the marriage didn't work out for whatever reason, the person Mm -hmm. still comes out stronger with a better outlook and likely learns a lot about themselves in the process. And then that in turn makes them more desirable moving forward because now they have a new confidence about themselves. Listen, it is about making yourself more relational and learning skills to do that. And getting married isn't going to teach you that. You have to learn that and be taught that. And if that marriage doesn't make it, you are so much better equipped to have a healthier relationship down the road. And it'll help you with all your relationships, your parents, your kids. It's pretty, it really is pretty amazing. And that kind of ties into this other program that we offer, which is marriage rescue for one. So assuming, you know, you think about getting together with somebody and you have agreed, even like a business partner, we agree that we're going to link together. We're going to put our resources together In marriage, it's even more intimate. We're going to share our bodies. We're going to share our DNA. We're going to create a family. We're going to combine our finances. And you think you're in it for life. And then this person comes in and says, yeah, I'm done. It truly is one of the most devastating things that can happen to someone. It can shake your world to have to, you know, it takes two people to say, I want to be married, but it takes one to end it. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is if one really wants to save it and we know that there's not abuse or any of the three A's as far as the person who wants to save it particularly, and we work with that one person on how to, usually they're very anxious, they're doing all the wrong things, they're desperate. Um, We come in and we call it triage. We stop the bleeding and we help that person learn relationship, relationship skills that actually make them more attractive again. When people are um, at the point where they want a divorce, their spouse isn't looking very attractive to them. And so it's a lot of coaching, a lot of helping and putting them back on their own two feet. It's not, it's not a short-term manipulation, how do I get my spouse back kind of thing. It's a, your spouse fell in love with you once because of certain things. Let's go find that and let's make that better. Let's fine tune that. And it, it's pretty cool to watch actually what can happen. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds so amazing. You know, marriage is so hard. I think that so many people don't understand that marriage and relationships take work, not just in the beginning, but always, all the way through. That is if you want it to be successful, but we get so busy and tired that we forget, or we just don't think it's necessary anymore. So Kim, I'd love for you to take a moment to maybe share with us, for for the couples that are, are in their marriage and they're trying to make it work, Maybe you have some tips or tools or exercises even that couples can do on a regular basis to just keep their marriage strong. What would you recommend? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is be very careful about focusing on negative. That's so easy to do. I can even do that with my kids. I don't know about you, but I can... Have you ever started thinking about all the things your kids are screwing up lately or bad attitude? And then pretty soon that's really all you see. Snowballs. Yep. Snowballs. What, you know, where you put your energy is what expands. Mm -hmm. So I'd be really careful of that. Um, The other thing that I would do is change how you view marriage counseling. It is not for crisis only. Think about it as prevention. 
So you see a dentist twice a year to make sure your teeth don't fall out, right? See a marriage counselor two or three times a year. Develop a relationship with somebody you trust and just come in once or twice just to clear the attic and make sure everything's okay. So that's that's a big one that I think would make a difference. I see a lot of couples that I just see them two or three times a year. And when you do find one, make sure it's a specialist. Ask the right questions. When you're looking for a marriage counselor, you don't have to go in and see them and do a session and pay for it and then realize this isn't the right person. Call them up on the phone. Talk to them. Find out how many of your couples, how many of the people you see are couples. And if they say anything less than 75%, I'd run. Hmm. So those are just some kind of some tips that I would have to kind of divorce proof your yeah. marriage. Th- those are great tips. And I really agree with you, especially I, I know exactly what you mean by the negativity one. When we focus on everything that's wrong with our partner, we can't see what's right. And um, I think it's a good practice to get into that when we get irritated, we should automatically try to look for something positive about that person, something that we're grateful for about them. Um, because when you're in gratitude about somebody, you can't be looking at the things they're doing wrong. And so I love everything that you said there. That's really so good. Um, I, I have another exercise oh, yeah. I wanted to throw Please. in there. If that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Take a circle, draw a big circle. And I want you to piece it up like a pie mm-hmm. of all the um, ways you spend your time every day on average. So, you know, 25% of that's going to be about sleep, right? And 25% at least is probably work. And then you've got chores and you've got kids and you've got, you know, outside family, um, friends, and then you've got the relationship. And what I mean by relationship is alone time. Mm. And so how much, how big a piece of that pie is that? And once you, if you're really honest and you look at that circle, you're going to see where you're putting your priorities, where you're shoring up and it might surprise you. And it doesn't have to be that your marriage has to be 50% of the time. I mean, that's just not realistic, right? But if you can't even measure it, that's a problem. Yeah. And so everything is about staying in balance. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm just saying with your marriage and your time alone, stay in balance. I love that exercise. That's that's so, so good because when people have a visual of something, it's so much easier to understand. And I would bet that most of us blended family parents really don't have a big piece of the pie when it comes to relationships because we often have so many kids and we have so much chaos that we're putting everything else in front of our relationship. And sometimes it's just getting into the bed at the end of the night and that's your five minutes together. And so you've got to carve out time. You've got to figure out a way, uh, like Kim says, find adventure together and carve out time. Now, when we're talking about, you know, people that are struggling coming to a decision on whether to end a relationship or not, I know that there's a lot of people in this situation right now, after this Mm -hmm. year, there's a lot of relationships that are coming undone. It's obviously a very personal decision and not one that I or Kim or anyone else can make for anyone else. But I bet Kim that you get asked that a lot. And so, um, how do you help someone come to the decision on their own? Like what are the questions that they should be asking themselves if they aren't sure and they feel stuck and they don't know what to do, whether they should stay or go? What, what do you have to say about that? I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> That's another book I'm writing, actually. I have a lot to say um, because that was me. 
And so we do something at the marriage place that's really unique and pretty wonderful. And it's called discernment counseling. This is a process. This is not couples counseling, right? This is couples counseling is working on saving the marriage. Discernment counseling is a unbiased look at the relationship together and apart that helps you decide one of three choices. The first one is to leave things the way they are. Like maybe you need a holding space because you're still recovering from an affair. You're not ready to make a decision, but you just, you need some parameters around space. The other decision is move toward divorce. Or the third one is move toward reconciliation or saving the marriage. So, (coughs) excuse me. So you get discernment counseling is one to five sessions. At the end of each session, you decide if you're going to meet again or if you've made your decision. And in that process of those sessions, we meet with you together for a little bit, but mostly um, separate. And we talk to you, we give you a forensic of a view of the relationship, but mostly we try to help you see your part in it. <clears throat> you know, where did you, um, how did you contribute to where the marriage is today? Because if you don't know that, if you don't have a good sense of that, you're probably not ready for divorce because then you're just kind of running, you're running from something or running to something, whether it's another relationship or we start looking at divorce. I call them divorce narratives. And there's usually three. The first one is marriage is a freedom. Uh, Divorce is freedom. And that is somebody who's just desperate to get away. They have made up this fantasy that once they cut ties, their life's going to be wonderful. They can go wherever they want. They can do whatever they want. And um, those people usually don't have a very good sense of how they contributed to where the marriage um, broke. The second one is divorce is a relief. And that is somebody who's in a relationship that has a lot of either bad behavior or they're with a a spouse who's controlling or is difficult to live with. And they feel like they've got to get away so they can breathe. And that's a relationship that can have a lot of work too. If that partner that they're with is willing to do some work and do some changing that part, you know, you may not be at a place where you are willing to give them that chance anymore. But if there's even just a little bit of a doubt, we can help you figure out if it's a relationship you even want to save. And then the third narrative is somebody who is saddened. They understand the repercussions, but they still feel like this is the decision they have to make. So depending on what your divorce narrative is, when you're coming to the salute, you know, coming to the table for discernment kind of determines our approach to it. But it's it's a it's a valuable process for sure. It's a permanent decision. You're making a very permanent decision with a lot of consequences. So we say, put on the brakes, slow it down. Let's take a really good look at what's going on, and then make a decision that's thoughtful and intentional. And if you do choose divorce, we want to talk to you. We encourage collaborative divorce if if we can get there because that's what's better for the kids and for the two people in the room. You know, you got married. There's some di- that marriage, that union, those children deserve some dignity and respect around ending it. And so we work to help you do that. That is such an amazing, wonderful service that you provide. Um, 
I've never heard of anybody. I mean, I don't know if that exists with anybody else. I've never heard of it. Um, what better way is to have somebody help you come to a really difficult decision in your life? Like that is a really amazing thing that you offer. That's beautiful. I know you also have a book that you recently relaunched called the marriage rescue triage toolkit. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, helping the spouse who wants to save a marriage when the other one wants out. And so we do a lot of deep dive into, um, what might have been uh, part of, you know, how did you contribute to your spouse not wanting to be there anymore? Mm. And so helping them get a good, clear look of themselves in that. And if you hear a theme through this entire um, podcast, you're hearing me say, focus on you. Focus on you. Yeah. Yeah. So This is great. And I'm going to be adding all of your links to the show notes, but I really mm-hmm. strongly encourage my listeners to go check out the website so that you can learn more about Kim and her work. She's also got a blog there. Um, what else do you offer in case someone listening would like to work directly with you? I say, so I do intensives. We offer intensives, which are two, uh, one or two day um, long days where we work with couples. We have people that fly in from all over the uh, United States to do intensives with us. Kind of a deep dive quick, mm-hmm. um, getting to the getting to the um, important part without all of the stop and start of traditional therapy. We work with sex addiction. We have uh, certified sex addiction therapists on staff. We work with past and childhood trauma because people who came from, um, you know, not all traumas, sexual abuse or physical violence. Sometimes it's just a parent who had to work all the time and was never there. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, we, that affects how you show up in your marriage today. So we have therapists there who specialize in trauma. We do a fair work, you know, typical, uh, all the things relationships go through. That's what we try to help people with. And it's so great because you can tackle something from many different angles. And sometimes that's what you need. And so I think that it's just beautiful what you're doing. I'm sure you've worked with lots of couples, but do you have any blended family success stories that you can share with us? Maybe one or two, just to give my listeners some hope today. I do. Of course I do. I'm going to tell you about Bob and Sue. Good. (laughs) Names change to protect. (laughs) So Bob and Sue, um, blended family and uh, brought in teenagers, which are really hard Mm -hmm. for blended families to bring in. And they were having trouble with, you know, Bob wanted to come in and set some rules. (laughs) And Sue felt like she had to choose between siding with Bob or protecting her kids. She felt like his rules were too tough. And so she felt she couldn't do anything right. If she sided with Bob, the kids were mad. You always side with him. We're not important anymore. If she sided with the kids, then Bob's like, you know, why do we even get married? I'm supposed to be the most important person in your life. And he would feel rejected. And so we worked a lot with them on how to set boundaries and set expectations. You know, mostly, um, Bob was coming in as a drill sergeant. We talked to him about how important it is that he focus on connection over correction. You know, that he had to develop a relationship with those kids before he Mm. laid down any laws. I have a 
I have an equation that was really important for Bob to get, and that is rules without relationship equal rebellion Mm. every single time. And so his job was to support Sue and let her be the parent and for him to um, figure out how to connect with those kids and build a relationship with him before he could have any input into them directly and how that and the decisions that they make. And so I don't know if that aligns with what most people do when they work with blended families, but it worked really well with this one. I mean, those kids were old enough and listen, kids are skilled at conquering and dividing. Yes, they are. (laughs) I mean, they're just pros at it. They have black belts in it. And so even my kids today, I mean, I, I could tell when they're doing it. And so, um, yeah, you just have to learn how to to work on that as a couple that's committed to each other, but also committed to those kids. I tell you, you could not have brought up a better example to give us because that is such a common problem in almost every blended family is that piece right there. I get emails and questions all the time just about that. So that was just absolutely perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. What is the best way for my listeners to contact you if they want to work with you? The best way is to either go to the website, uh, themarriageplace.com, and fill out a contact form. You can text or call um, the office during business hours, and they will um, have a free consultation with you, tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do. We are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So yeah, we if you go to the website and give us your email address, you'll be on our mailing list and we'll be sharing a lot of good free content with you in the future too. Excellent. And I, like I said, I will put all of those links in the show notes. Is there anything that I've left out today that you'd like to share with my audience or any last words of encouragement, anything? Yeah, I do. I want to say this. I was thinking about blended families and the divorce statistics. They're so disheartening, Mm -hmm. (laughs) discouraging and scary. Um, And I think, I think blended families worry a lot about that from my experience of working with them. And I just want to say, take a deep breath. You're not destined for divorce. It does not have to be your future, your destiny. Um, I'm wanting you to get in touch with somebody that, like I said, that can be there to be a support and help you and uh, have contact with them ongoing. Don't wait until it's a crisis because blended or not, you're going to need tools some point. So I hope, you know, we, like I said, we work with people all over and we'd love to journey with you um, through this process, but blended families are beautiful. They're hard, but they're beautiful and they're so necessary. So Mm. take heart. Thank you so much for that advice. And for my listeners, I hope that you really enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you can see that Kim is a person of integrity and that she really cares and wants your marriage to work. And so I think for anybody listening today, if you're having any kind of difficulties whatsoever, or even if you're not, like she said, even if you're not, it's just good to have a checkup every now and then because- We need to not take our marriages for granted. A lot of us are on our second or third, and we want to make sure that this lasts. And you have to put in the work. And so I really want to thank you, Kim, for coming on the show today and sharing all this wonderful information. Listeners, please check out her site, support her, check out her links, and definitely reach out to her if you are in need. Thank you so much for listening. 
You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.